0: When we started the cash flow show we made a determined effort not to scare people off and avoid mentioning cash flow in the content. Today's guest makes that task impossible as he has created a universe of public speaking and online content where Cash flow and its relationship to entrepreneurs is at the forefront of everything he does. To find out more, keep listening after the intro. Hello and welcome. I'm Clayton M. Koch and I'm also the host for The Cashflow Show, the radio show that's disguised in the shape of a podcast, but with so much more. Every week we'll be interviewing someone inspiring from the business world and finding out how they started in business, what their trials and tribulations were and how they intend to grow their business in the future. We will also be finding out about what they do in their spare time as well as asking them to pick a book, a film and a favourite single or album and to share their reasons for doing so. So why not join us at The Cashflow Show? It's not just a radio show, it's a whole new way of doing business. Hello and welcome. Our guest today is George Theodosio, founder of GFS Solutions, cash flow expert, business consultant, and speaker. George, welcome to the Cash Flow Show.
1: Thank you very much, Clayton. Well,. <laughs>
0: I should always <laughs> offer up a disclosure when I start this. I've known George for many years, but I haven't actually seen him for many years until he popped up on my Instagram feed. I'm just as intrigued to find out what George has been doing all this time. I'm getting glimpses glimpse of this from his Instagram. But obviously, you've got some really great topics that you want to share with us. I know who you are. So it's great for you to tell everybody listening a bit about you as George Dossio at GFS.
1: Yeah, thank you for the introduction. It's great to be here. Um, yes we've known each other for many years Um, I've got a lot of uh, time and respect for you which was just a no-brainer to jump on this show when you uh, offered me the opportunity Um, a bit of background and context on me so many years ago my background is working in the insolvency industry which is where we met looking to uh, introduce each other to uh, ideal types of clients knowing that the type of value that you offer the marketplace and and how important it is for people to get paid moving on from that uh, I'll touch on various parts of my story and my journey throughout you know, the, this podcast episode. But ultimately, um, what I'm up to now and have been for the last few years is, uh, in my own way, just trying to save the world one person at a time to, to help people create the best possible cash flow and maintain that moving forward. Excellent. Um, and probably a great place to start is, we've all probably heard the saying, turnover is vanity and profit is sanity. Or well, for me, cash flow is reality. Uh, and most importantly, um, all roads lead back down to cash flow because cash flow determines what you can and can't do on a daily basis. It determines, should I say, um, how you run your business, how strong your business is, how you perform, opportunities you can and can't take advantage of. For me, it's, it's the most important part of business. So
0: if I get this right, and I remember rightly, in terms of where you are with GFS, you founded that business some time ago. Was I did, that? Yeah. yeah. So how long have you been in business now? if
1: uh, for myself, uh, since January 2011, so uh, eight years. Um, prior to that, since uh, actually Monday, the 16th of January 2006, I was started my career, my proper professional life, if you like, working in the insolvency industry. Yeah. And the, the thing that got me with was, it was never going to be a, a long-term thing, but after six months, not only did I enjoy it and dealing with different types of businesses and, and, and business challenges, but I experienced someone commit suicide in July 2006 and that changed the way that I saw the world and that I felt that I needed to, to just immerse myself in this industry to be able to be super sensitive to people making any type of suicidal comments because of business problems. And that became my mission for the next few years. And then the evolution of that was... Um, Luckily, it's not the kind of thing that you come across every single day, you know, people being somewhat at a level of suicidal because of business problems, but seeing a lot of my clients over the years getting divorced because they're arguing about money with their other halves. Um, And then the final straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, was in November 2014, which I felt like I needed, I felt like I could help business owners grow their businesses and then by default be further away from business and debt problems. Okay. But I had no proof. Um, and that's when I met a guy called Andy Harrington, which I'll speak about in a bit more detail um, later on in the podcast, but just changed, gave me the foresight to, uh, and the impetus and the confidence to go out and reposition myself to be a business consultant, to help businesses grow, to avoid these problems. Um, But that's that's where the background comes from. But yeah, to answer the initial question, eight years in GFS.
0: You mentioned during your last statement there. You indicate how you were in a position where you pivoted at some point. Now I remember that pivot because I remember from where you were beforehand. But a lot of people won't. They'll see you now from Instagram, and I'll mention Instagram a lot because that's an area which I think you've done some amazing work. I'm looking at your Instagram and saying, damn. I need to be able to work Instagram like that because you. your, your, your work is good. I, I give I give you that respect. Your work is good. But one thing I found is that from when you started, give the, the audience a flavour of what the type of work you were doing when you started, say, eight years ago.
1: Okay, so eight years ago, um, I started GFS. I was only doing insolvency-related work, insolvency-related services. Um, at a consultancy level again, um, so it was helping people avoid personal debt problems, business debt problems, avoiding things like bankruptcy and liquidation as formal procedures. But then also had a really strong relationship with my former employer, um, whereby as and when I came across bigger jobs, bigger businesses uh, where I required more resources, I could then bring them in. A part of that was, uh, you know, well, before I started GFS, like in the in the year or so prior to that, uh, so around about you know two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten. I was already gaining experience. I was gaining qualifications in the industry. The final piece of the the pyramid puzzle, so to speak, was to have my own contacts to be able to bring in to then say to the other partners of the insolvency and accountancy firm, "Look guys, I've got my own contacts. I can I can add to, you know, the fees and you know because it's typically set up like a firm of solicitors, right? Of course, an accountancy firm." So, I started networking. I joined an organization called BNI. And first year in in being like the first 9 months of 2009, brilliant. Generated over sixty-two thousand pounds worth of business for my employer. The following year, two thousand and ten, I had a full twelve months under my belt. It was just over a hundred grand, hundred and three grand, I think it was. Okay, right. um, and then I was scratching my head, thinking, "Hold on a minute, I could do a lot of this stuff by myself." <laughs> um, <laughs> it comes to us <laughs> all. Yeah. Oh, hold on a minute here, um, but like I said, left on you know great terms, and then started in two thousand and eleven. So offering insolvency services, insolvency services where it was a more bespoke personal hands-on approach rather than a big insolvency firm helping you know joe blogs down the road who had a you know a small bankruptcy case to either avoid or help go through that situation and you know a lot of these guys had these insolvency firms obviously had a lot more outgoings operating costs than I did big firms a lot of them in the city west end you know surrounding areas um so I was able to offer a more detailed more bespoke more hands on service for actually a fraction of the price and that, that became quite popular I and mean, it just grew from there and then so I did that for 3 years um until I had this epiphany or this kind of like I've had enough of this I need to help people avoid these problems rather than help them solve these problems when they've got them. Um, So then how do I reposition myself so people can actually come to me and my business three months, six months, 12 months prior to bankruptcy conversation problems of course. or liquidation problems. Yeah, And I just couldn't figure it out. And then I was on my way to um, a seminar, um, a conference at the Excel. It was actually Friday the 21st of November, 2014. I remember it that clearly. It was uh, Jordan Belfort, you know, the Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So obviously he did what he did, ended up in prison. His cellmate basically said, look, you heard, I've heard your story. You have to write a book, wrote the book, became a bestseller the film and then after that Success Resources an organisation in Australia um, which is global, they, they run conferences around the world, signed him up and said look we're going to do a, a- an international tour um and when i came to london that was the pool because i you know it was an entertaining book that i read uh, and the film but then also i was in business so it was about sales so i thought you know i should be able to pick up something turns out he wasn't that good his his straight line selling system that he offers in my opinion is great for him but it wasn't the sales system that you could drop into any business globally and get great results from but on that day there was a multiple uh, there was a multiple speaker event a guy called andy harrington comes on stage and he's talking about the uh Art of public speaking, and he's presenting, and he's saying through the art of public speaking, you can position yourself to attract your ideal clients who you can help the most at the time that you can help them the most. And I'm thinking, wow, this guy is—I feel like he's literally talking to me because I I was sitting there thinking. Just this morning on the way here, I wanted to figure out a way that I could attract my clients a lot sooner, not at the eleventh hour when there's a bailiff outside and there's only so much that even you could do to try and help them, you know, to get back some of the, the debts at the road. So. I signed up to work with him. Uh, work with him uh, for the next twelve months, and literally from that day, I've been investing a minimum of about a thousand pounds a month since two thousand, end of two thousand and fourteen, on my own personal and professional development. Um, which has shaped my path to where I am now. and, And I'm just eternally grateful because I'm having similar conversations with some of my clients now. So typically now in our business, we look after business owners that are looking to get their first 50K in profitable turnover up to 12 million. But a lot of these business owners are only one bad decision away from going bust. Of course. But I'm in a position where I can completely avoid that, which is great.
0: One of the things that you mentioned when you were speaking about Jordan Belfort, but what I find fascinating is, is that the rise of public speakers, especially business public speakers, the popularity of business, business has become very sexy now. Once upon a time, you know, when I was a kid, being a businessman, you were the most boring thing going, you know, now being a business person is seen as uh, you're an entrepreneur now. So now you've got a fancy name and now you're everybody's everything is sexy and you're going to meetings, you're on Zoom, you're on Slack. And one of the things that you touched on, because there's been an upsurge in business, there's also this upsurge in all of these people, like you've got Grant Cardone, you've got Dan Locke, all of these guys who, when you mentioned your, your view on Jordan Belfort, A lot of people will just basically lock into the fact that he's done what he's done and what he did for a long time was very successful. But at the same time, a lot of people don't like to question these gurus because they don't seem to understand that what that specific style doesn't suit everybody.
1: 100%. I'm
0: so glad you said that. It doesn't suit everybody. I mean, for example, one I've been more recently watching Dan Locke, And Dan Locke is um, and I don't know if the audience knows who Dan Locke is. Uh, I think he is a Canadian or Chinese Canadian um, gentleman who basically is very much the king of high ticket sales. So when you um, may listen to his, here's Dan Locke, the king of high ticket sales. He promotes himself as that very, very brash, very North American style. And to get me to, to be honest with you i think a lot of what he says actually makes sense the, the thing is and i always use this is that when people tell you stuff do you find especially as a public speaker that people can't make the distinction between what's just common sense and
1: what they think is mysticism yeah uh, you've touched on so many really important bits there um to go and reverse order okay, please. yes i agree people find it very difficult to make that distinction. I think, look, f- above all else, I think one of the most, I mean, we've mentioned how important cash flow is, but let's just even raise above that. Let's just talk, you know, human to human, just you're on this planet for a certain period of time. If you're going to master anything, master self-awareness, you know, what you like, what you don't like, what you're good at, what you're not good at, what you're great at, what adds value, um, all of these things, and then figure out your own path. So look at other people, never... Copy, because you're always going to be one step behind, because you're always going to be copying at least one step behind. But look to emulate. Look at someone and look at, you know what, that works really well, and I like that, I believe in it, it makes sense to me, it's ethical. This side, not so much. I'll give you um, a few examples. So you've mentioned Dan Lok already. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Dan Lok's. A lot of what he says, but to be honest with you, I don't think I've actually come across any of his, any of his videos, sorry, where he said something that I disagree with. Yeah. It, makes, it makes sense. At the same time, you've got to take the best of that and look at what's around you, the industry, the culture. I'm a a huge fan of Grant Cardone. Here's the proof. Um, You know, I've been to the last two 10X growth conferences in Miami and and Vegas, uh, respectively. I... I've spent a lot of money, like tens of thousands of pounds with his organization. I've met him a few times. Um, Big fan of his, but at the same time, I don't subscribe to, oh, well, it's okay for you to do that grant because A, it's your personality, B, you're American, C, it's a different market in America. No, I'll take what I believe in and what I think is great, and then I'll adapt it to make the, the best out of it in my community, in my society, in my reach, so... Um, I'm a big fan of just being obsessed with your goals and and what you're trying to do your purpose I also feel like to an extent I don't want to be seen as the person that every time somebody touches me or my business from a business point of view that I'm always 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 selling so there's that another example uh, Gary Vaynerchuk (laughs) Huge, huge fan of Gary V however just because I'm a huge fan of Gary V in terms of his passion his belief system the way that he is just constantly putting stuff out there has given me the impetus for example to be pumping out content every single day every single day every single day to be consistent to be omnipresent but I disagree with working an 18-hour day I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it but it's wrong for me I would much rather work to be honest with you I've had a 16-hour day on Monday I think it was and it kind of threw me off for the next, like, day or two because I'm not used to it. I don't want to work like that. I want to work more efficiently, more effective for me to spend more time with my yeah, daughters, my family. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I'm right, but it means that I'm right for me. Well, exactly. And that's I, the point. Yes, and that's what I allude to because, for me, I see
0: a lot of people see things. Like, Gary V is a classic example. I just couldn't keep up with him in terms of the swearing. He, he swears like a machine gun. i glad woo, you woo, said that because I almost <laughs> swore a couple of times. <laughs> (laughs) But I mean, because I know that people do that because that's their passion. And don't get me wrong. I think as a presenter, as a a person who gives you ideas, and I remember seeing a lady and she'd gone up to said, oh, Gary, uh, you know, I I, I want to grow my business, but I I don't really want to do this. And I don't really want this. And he says to her, listen, if you want to grow this business, you're going to have to eat crap. And her face just dropped because she literally thought that she was going to coast along in a middle class, suburban, soccer mum lifestyle. And that was going to give her the reward that she he is obsessive he's totally obsessive and i don't mean that in a negative way but he's the type of person if he was selling shoes he would be the best shoe salesman ever if he was selling popsicles he would be the best popsicle because he's completely and totally obsessive about everything he does in the school rating in your class you're number 13 popularity if you want to get into the top 10 you need to have a party at your house. And when people come to your house and go wild at your party, you will then automatically get in to the top 10 in popularity because you will be seen as the cool kid. And his idea is is that, for example, if there's a social media platform and I'll use TikTok as an example. Now, TikTok is up and coming. It's mostly music videos and mostly for young people or younger people. However, people see that TikTok is going to be the next beating gun and it will turn into the next Instagram. There's a possibility that might happen. So his idea is be on the platform first, stake your claim there first in order to be the person who is the cool person. That comes to the party.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly right. But it, 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 you just proved the point that you know you can take something that makes perfect sense, but also is in alignment with your belief system and and you know the way that you want to live your life. You know to go back to your earlier point about it, it's so easy to be a business owner these days. It's so fashionable. But the thing is, is that you've got to understand what comes with it. You've got to understand the stakes that come with it. And the things, the things that aren't spoken about enough are that, you know, if you're going to be in business, you better be prepared to know what's, what's around the corner and what's going to be your life for a significant period of time. And maybe it will creep up on you in times where you felt that those days are behind you, i.e. rites of passage, being in your overdraft, sleepless nights, rejection, um, losing a client, you know, all these kinds of things, or very rarely do people talk about those things. They talk about the laptop lifestyle. Oh, yes, of course. Oh,
0: I'm sitting on a beach at Waikiki. Guess what? And I'm doing dropshipping and I'm doing this and I'm standing behind 10 Ferraris. What I like about what you do is the reality of it. You're not saying to people, Oh, guess what? This is going to be easy. When you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, if this guy doesn't pay me today, that direct debit's gonna go through and that'll be 30 quid. I'm down already I'm on an invoice, I haven't been paid.
1: <laughs> you gotta think, you've got to think in real terms. If that person doesn't pay me today, that means me and my family aren't going on holiday this year or it means that there's a chance that we might not make our rent or pay this month's mortgage which means we're going to have our credit score affected which means we're going to be paying for that mistake for the next few years which means just like you've got to think about the reality the knock-on effect of everything that you do there are consequences
0: and the problem what people don't understand is is that and this is the reason why sometimes a lot of people have very negative experiences with business because they are led to believe that basically you've got a product you've got a service and people are automatically going to pay you even if somebody likes your product or service there's no guarantee they're going to pay you on time there's no guarantee that you're going to pay you on time and the fact is i've got a couple of cases going on at the moment i'm not going to name any names or any um, details but my client hasn't been paid since january of this year complete and utter madness. I said, what have I taught you? What have I taught you? What is this? Oh, but I really want to do business with them in the future. But you're not doing business now what you've done is offered extended credit on your services on your skills on your abilities all you've done is help somebody keep money off your table off your off your your rent account off your off your mortgage and the fact is is that as you say people don't think about these things there are consequences and being in business is it's
1: not something to be taken lightly. No, it's not at all. It, in, and I'm, I'm, glad, I'm so happy that a lot of these things are just naturally coming up, whether you, they are natural <laughs> no, or whether no, no, you no, plan yeah, these things. No, no, right?
0: no, because but, this is what I believe in. Yeah, you know? but
1: <laughs> I mean, what you've just said there is 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 so interesting. So one of the things I'm incredibly grateful is I'm getting a lot of clients internationally now as well. Excellent. So uh, I've just uh, signed up a new client, IT company based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So we're going through some of their existing client-based maintenance contracts, etc. And typically he's got a lot of clients that pay um, payment terms on 15 days after invoices sent out or 30 days. He's got one client that's 60 days. The problem with that, before I even asked him the question, but then when I asked him the question, the answer just proved where my head was going with this, is that they've got this client that's on 60 day payment terms, but he goes to me, however, the last time we invoiced them, they didn't pay for 92 days. Now, you know, one of the conversations that we're having is about cash flow. Um, you know, the four elements of cash flow that I see them. Something that I'm toying with the idea of uh, coining the cash flow quattro, which is there's four parts to it. One is how you solve cash flow problems. One is how you prevent cash flow problems. One is how you create great cash flow, and one and the final sector is how you maintain it. Now, the problem is is that well, going back to before, the problem is every business I believe needs to have some sort of cash flow buffer. So. Um, just something that you can lean on if you need to, whether it's an overdraft facility that you don't live in, but you've got it there, or a bit of savings maybe, or yeah. an, a credit card or something that you can just in case... Something bad happens in business, you're, you've got one step before something bad happens. But also, the second thing is if you've got an opportunity to grow, to expand, to scale, to, to make the most out of something that's just arisen, you've got the opportunity to do that. The problem is with this example uh, with my client in Pittsburgh and another great example, this is the best example that I've come across that will be quite commonly known. So I don't know him personally, but Seems like a great guy called uh, Levi Roots from... Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. So, yeah I've so met him a couple dragons, of times. Dragons then, great story, great product, great energy, right? He, he signs a contract with Tesco's. You're thinking, wow, it's champagne popping time because they're the biggest supermarket in the country. Okay, so first and foremost, the largest supermarket in the country, that now means that your production costs have just r- skyrocketed. Correct. <laughs> including the people that you need to bring in to be able to manage the production and pay for it and all that kind of stuff. But more importantly, you've just signed a contract, which you're now ecstatic about. They're notoriously the worst payer in the country. So they're like 90, they're like nine months payment terms. So now you've got to fund that extra production cost and drag it out for nine months. And you're gonna have your payroll, your your materials costs, your staff, your like all that stuff for nine months. Arguably, it's the worst thing that's ever happened to your business unless you manage that incredibly carefully, as in like you're holding like the most valuable egg with the, you know, with the most flimsy spoon kind of situation. <laughs> like, you, you need some serious support to manage that process. So it's interesting how people think, oh, I've, I've made it. Actually, this could be the thing that breaks your company. Of course. You know, you, you know that say that people
0: say that you're a victim of your own success. Yeah. And this is what the problem is. I, I remember having a discussion with one of the, the credit rating companies. I won't say who it is but you let me down. (laughs) (laughs) I won't go there. But (laughs) what happened was they showed me, you know, they like to demonstrate how you can get credit reports and so on and so forth. And they obviously, they want to... throw up somebody that they believe you will know. So they throw up Tesco as example. So this guy throws up Tesco's and he showed that Tesco's never pays anyone who's got a debt of a thousand pounds or under within 30 days. Never, never. I I don't know how long it takes. I think it was something ridiculous. But if you've got a debt that's under a thousand pounds, you can whistle for your money. You are waiting some considerable time. So the fact that you're saying is that you believe that you've reached the pinnacle of success. Your dream is to be on every single high street, every single corner shop going. However, you're on 90, 120, 150. 180 days. And this is the constant battle. There's a constant battle in where people say, oh, oh, the government, the government, you know, should do something about this. And I've got a very strong feeling about this. And what I say is this, the government didn't tell you to become an entrepreneur. The government didn't hold you by the neck and say, become an entrepreneur. You made that decision yourself. So if you want to resolve your issues with cash flow, you need to be in a position where you actually do something about it. A lot of people seem to think that I'm starting a business you've got to get me clients you know you just stand outside the the, the train station and you get clients yeah that's it's easy or they go to a networking event and I'm sure you've been to loads of networking events and you've been there over the years And you've seen people going, here's my card, here's my card, here's my card, call me. You know, you've done your time in BNI, and I don't know if you still do BNI, but you've done your time in there. So you've done your networking process. You know that, for example, you give out, you know, 50 cards. You know, you may really effectively connect with 10 people. You may do business with, if you're lucky, five. You know, and those are are the odds. But I think the same thing with business. It's like, oh, I've done this sale. So now I expect the government to help me collect my money. No, it's your job to collect your money because when you're spending your money the government's nowhere to be seen you don't invite the Chancellor to the Exchequer along when you get on Absolutely. the Yeah, help this, thanks for helping me get this money Chancellor yeah roll with me it doesn't happen and I think as you said a lot of these businesses there has to be a point at which you realise that cash flow is king I remember seeing a chat at a networking event And because obviously obviously I'm involved in late payments, debt recovery, whatever, sometimes people can be quite, not aggressive, but very outwardly hostile. And this guy goes up to me, goes, I don't need your services. I said, okay, I wasn't actually selling you any services. I was just saying hello, because you might know somebody that I want to connect with. So I don't need your services. Don't need that. Don't need that. Because I get my invoices paid every single time. I said, how do you mean? Have you got... An invoice discounting sort of situation oh yeah that's right they take 10 percent of all my invoices and i said to him that's really great if you're starting off in business and it's your first year or you're trying to expand and that credit will give you that that facility but in reality that reminds me of a grown man riding a bike with stabilizers on because you don't actually know if your business is actually growing because it's always being supported by your 10 percent invoice discount. Such a great point
1: and a great analogy as well.
0: A lot of what you say and what you come across with in terms of cash flow, I would like to ask you the question, person that's on 60 days, I bet you that's a legacy client,
1: isn't it? Is is it one that's been there for a a long time? Uh, Not that long, but at the moment, until we had the conversation two nights ago... (laughs) Because we're, we're, you know, we're meeting at 9pm for me, 4pm for me, because it's five hours behind. But he's now looking at it, thinking, oh, well, I've always seen this client as one of my best clients, one of my biggest clients. That's the problem. So you've put them up on a pedestal, and you feel like you can't rock that boat. But you have to appreciate that. Don't have the um, small man syndrome where you think, oh, well, we're not a big company, therefore, you know, we'll bend over backwards for people to do business with us. You tell people how they can do business with you. Correct. This is how we work. This is the information we need. This is what we need signed. These are your payment options. You can either pay in full up front, or it's a 50% deposit, or, you know... It doesn't have to be 60, 90 day, but yeah, it's one of those kind of clients that they haven't had them for years and years, but a significant enough period of time to put them on this pedestal where they feel like they can't rock that book.
0: And this is what the problem is. I think sometimes they say that familiarity breeds contempt and I think in business that's a very very strong statement to make because there are a lot of people who create relationships and when people say to us oh what is it that you do I said we buffer between those relationships because when I approach somebody who owes my client and they haven't paid for 120 days it's not really affecting me but I'm the type of person that says well look at it from my client's point of view they've waited 120 days in order to get payment from you and the fact is is that they've provided a service were you happy with the service oh yeah he's really nice guy so if he's a nice guy don't you think that he deserves a nice life don't you think he deserves to take his wife out take his kids out because ultimately when you stop paying and you wait 120 days 150 days 180 days what can he do yeah oh well you you think about that Whoa, it's a bit said think about it because that's that's really what you're doing you're
1: effectively saying you're devaluing the work that that person has done for you yeah, absolutely. It's not believe that most people give people the benefit of the doubt. Most people, uh, you know, have got good intentions. They wake up in the morning and think to themselves, you know what, you know, all going well. I'm going to pay that off today. I'm going to do that. I'm gonna, you know, so if you give everyone the benefit of the doubt, they've got good intentions to pay. If you don't have a cash flow system in your business where you are chasing um, sequentially and, you know, it, like time appropriately, multiple times, you've got to remind people, you know, not to patronize your clients, but you've got to treat them as if they're a baby at times. And these are one of those times. So you've got to make sure that, you know, at significant points in time, you've got to remind them, you know, so for example, if I'm going to send an invoice to someone, I mean, in my business, everyone plays up front, but let's just say it wasn't, I'm going to be sending a message, a reminder, by the way, I'm going to be sending you an invoice in seven days before I've even sent it. And it's due on the time. So not like I just send it and then it's payment in seven days or 14 or 28 or whatever. And then I chase. No, it's constant reminders. You know, um, you touched on a few, a few interesting things there. One, I think we probably came across the same person because in my insolvency days, I was at a networking event and a guy literally Literally said the exact same thing to me. So I was introduced by someone else. First thing that came out of his mouth: "I don't want, I don't need your services." Literally. And I'm thinking, "Alright, cool." <laughs> uh, the reality is, you probably more than most will need it at some point, um, and need to speak to someone like you as well, Clayton. Of because, course. like you said, I've never heard that analogy before. Brilliant <laughs> way of putting it in terms of your grown man running your business with stabilizer Shit. on your bike. Um, something else that baffles me, but I get that, you know, I suppose everything is easy once you know, but when you don't know, you don't know. You know, you don't know what you don't know kind of, of, of stuff, right? Of course. But it baffles me that when I say to people, you know, what's your most profitable product or service? They don't know. Or the guys that think they know, they're like, oh, yeah, it's this. So I buy that for a pound, I sell it for two pounds. But hold on a minute. So you, you think you're making one pound net profit, but you haven't factored in your cost of sales. Obviously, that is your, sorry, that is your cost of sales. You haven't factored in your client acquisition costs. So how much it costs you from a marketing point of view to generate that inquiry to convert into a client. But then your operating costs as well, just to open up for business because you're going to owe your accountant some money. You're going to, if you've got, uh, you know, premises that you work from, staff, you've got software that you use. All these things are before you've seen your first client on day one of your financial year. So, all that kind of stuff. Um, don't get me started on like the cash flow situation as a whole in the country, because just even the most basic of cash flow education should be in the education system, but it's not. Again, I believe it's on purpose. Oh, I believe it to be on purpose. I think it's only
0: it's only directed at certain people. I'm sure if you went to certain schools and in certain places, they would have access to that information. Whereas I think that most people aren't set up to run businesses successfully. Because nobody comes in and says, well, why are you doing that? For example, my nephew, and he won't mind me saying, he's he's now, you know, he's been doing some DJing, he's becoming quite successful. He's done some, some records and stuff like that. And now he's getting into promotion. So when I meet up with my nephew, I remember to bring my glasses because I'll be reading a contract off an iPhone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you know fair play to my nephew he's a, he's a good guy both my nephews are but I think that the fact is what I like is that he's actually getting some proper advice and understanding that doing certain things in terms of your business, having an awareness. I had to spend, I went to a wedding. um, uh, It was his brother's wedding, so my nephew's getting married. And he goes, uncle, what do you think of this? He sticks out his iPhone, he's got this contract on it. And I'm thinking, you need to watch out for this. You need to watch out for that. You need to watch out for this. Why is your name here when it should be your business name here? You're making yourself liable. You need to remove yourself from that equation. All right, thanks, uncle. Thanks, (laughs) off he goes. But not many people are going to have access to that information. And that, as you said, the difficulty for most people now is that they're trying to grow their business. They're trying to say that they don't need help. I think the problem is it's it's a false economy because by saying, oh, I don't want to use George or I don't want to use Clayton, the fact is, is that if you're serious about your business and you put your business on a level footing, you will make the progress that you're looking for because all of that stuff has been done in the background but i think what happens especially if i read your your trajectory right is that you basically literally go in and build everything up again from the ground upwards.
1: Basically, yeah. So we we look at like going back and seeing what's already going on. So I I ask uncomfortable questions that will pull out, you know, uncomfortable conversations and answers. I have to. Every single client of mine that comes to me and has done over the last few years, whether they like it or not, or whether they plan to or not, we're building the business as if we're going to sell it because the mindset is completely different. It's like if I want to sell my car and I put the advert on Auto Trader and you give me a call, say, hi, George, I saw your advert. I want to come and test drive the car. If I then go and get the car cleaned and get it serviced before you turn up, you turn up to my house and you see a beautiful car nice and clean, you turn the key in the ignition, engine purrs, even if you never buy the car, I'm now driving a cleaner, better run car. So if you take that mindset into your business and as a starting point, there's various exercises I take my clients through to extract the right information so we can build the business um, in a really profitable way, but that's sustainable. We make a list of all the things typically in that industry and in that type of business that a potential owner would look for what would be a like literally non-negotiable they need these things and what would be preferred and what would be you know and if you build your business in a way where it's got structure there's processes that can be followed therefore the business isn't completely dependent and reliant on you the business owner but more so the processes which means that the people that are implementing the processes are interchangeable like the big companies you've got core values you've got things that people feel when they're involved with your business, a bigger vision, a mission statement, these kind of things that typically people feel like it's just for the Starbucks and the Coca-Cola's of this world. That that shouldn't be the case. Aside from that, ultimately, you know, looking at where we can incorporate things like subscription models within the business model. So, you know, retainer monies or, you know, how can we keep marketing costs as low as possible with the quality of inquiries, i.e., um, where you can close high-ticket sales in the shortest sales cycle possible to get that money banked as quickly as possible. You know, I still come across business owners that accept check. It, why would you want to delay that process? So, if you look at a lot of businesses, so use the example I've already given. If you've got a business that says, "Yeah, our payment terms for you, okay, fine, there'll be 60 days," and then they they delay that to 92 days in that example, and then when they eventually make payment, it's by check. So then they, you've got to go and bank it, and then what? you know you're talking about 100 odd days that's a third of the year for yeah. one client one invoice yeah, one client. Well, what happens if you're yeah. doing work with them every month you know you can't build a business like that so if someone's going to come in they want to see that the business isn't reliant on one person or on one thing they want to see you know a, a way that you're generating the best inquiries you want to see it like how you can shorten or reduce that sales cycle process to like next to nothing how you can bank money quickly everything we do when we we have these conversations with clients is about building the best and most profitable cash flow that's sustainable moving forward and it just so happens that the marketing the sales the operations the people the processes all that stuff just supports it around it yeah. but it the, the core is cash flow
0: i think the thing is what people don't understand in businesses is, is often simplicity if you present people with too many options they will literally take, will literally take liberties yeah. with you and I think one of the things that when you start off in business you get the idea that I'm going to do as many things as I possibly can I'm going to sell everything that I possibly can I'm going to offer every payment option it's like restaurants if you've been into most restaurants they've got you know you know 50 60 things on the menu I know that when I go to certain restaurants and that will remain nameless you go there and the fact is oh we haven't got that today what do you mean you haven't got that today because you 've got so many items you can't exactly. carry this it is all. such
1: a great analogy that you just- up for me um i've got this um i've got many sayings that come into my business one is of course i'm not saying business is easy but oftentimes it's overcomplicated. i've had people that have come to me and they've get they you know i want to do business with them i like them i like the products and services They've come around, they've, like, they've had a look at the house, What you know, the work they're going to do. They send me the quote. It's so draining. There's so many options and so many, but then if this happens, then you've got that. And then if that happens, then you've got these 16 options. and then... It's just too much. I, I now no longer want to do business with you. In my mind, uh, I'm not saying business is easy, but it, you just want to simplify it. All you've got to do is focus on these three things. Solve problems for people, number one. Do it efficiently, and do it for a profit. Yeah. You just fo- focus on those three things. And the great thing that you mentioned about restaurants, I'm, I consider myself quite a decisive person. You go to some restaurants and you're like, I haven't got a clue what I'm going to eat. There's too many things on yeah. it. And then yeah. the example you just gave about, there's some things that inevitably are not going to be available because there's so much on the menu. You want to keep it simple. Some of the businesses that I've I've kept a close eye on in the last, say, five years, and they're they're literally around here in the city as well. Um, one is um, La Relette de Venise, which is a, a French restaurant, um, Opens. I think it's only got like one, possibly two branches in France. One in Paris, and then like. Th- four or five in London. You can't book, you just have to turn up and literally the menu is you have a salad, just one type of salad for starter, that's it, there's no other option, one salad with one type of dressing. You have one thing on the menu which is steak and chips, steak so steak and, and frit steak with a special secret sauce that they, don't, they won't tell you about. Your only option so far for starter and, and main is how you want it cooked and because it's, it's a <laughs> French restaurant, you can have the steak cooked like blue basically which is typically isn't an option for... Uh, English or American steakhouses but blue or then rare medium rare um, I don't even think well done is even an option for them right and then where your options lie is I think there's a handful of wines that you can choose to drink and there's I think four five maybe six maximum desserts those are your choices incredibly successful. You can't book. You just have to turn up, right? Another example similar to that is burger and lobster, which you've seen, again, a lot of them are in and around yeah. the city and the yeah. West End. The again, okay, so they expanded their menu, and I'll come back to that point in, in one moment, but when they started, they super niched literally burger and lobster. So in their early days, early days, I don't even think they had a vegetarian option. So if you had someone in your group of friends that was vegetarian, <laughs> you might as well just not come <laughs> or eat before you yeah. Um Now they've expanded it to different types of lobster rolls and this and that. but the point is is that especially when you're starting out you want to go super niche so then people know you as the specialist as the expert for solving that problem for that group of people and then you'll be able to charge more money people will be more inclined to be obviously doing business on your terms no crazy 60 90 nine month payment terms and then once you're killing it at that level like super niched making loads of money doing really well highly profitable then you can de-niche and then that's where you expand on on other things and you look at for example uh, mcdonald's obviously been a household name for all of my life probably yeah. yours as well yeah, yeah. Um, yes definitely um, they started off just being the burger place and they're by no stretch of the imagination are the best burgers on the high street or on the roots park or whatever but they're known for burgers so they're known for burgers so what happened a few years ago is they started adding to their repertoire, their menu, add a few salads, a few healthy things with the government, government initiatives and things like that. Then they they repositioned themselves a little bit for, you know what, come in and have your morning coffee. So they started offering coffees, but not just like black coffee or white coffee, whether actual lattes and this and that was whatever. So as soon as they did that, so they've gone from super niche burgers to now de to doing other stuff, salads and coffees and whatnot. As soon as they started doing the um, the coffees and things like that, that's when you noticed the influx of new burger restaurants that came into the market. Burger and lobster, um, gourmet burger kitchens, five, five guys. guys. So five guys. it's interesting how again just looking at the market looking at what's what dan kennedy's great for this actually is looking at the market and the evolution of economy so when you have such a powerhouse like mcdonald's who is super niche burgers as soon as they come out of that you're like great there's an opportunity for us to jump in and actually grab some of that market but not your three four five pound burgers your 12 14 15 pound burgers 30 pound burgers and there's a market there as well so it's interesting to see all of that and to see like especially at the beginning and you could even just make a complete career out of this is just be just keep it simple Yeah. solve yeah. problems for yeah. people yeah. super niche and off you go well Thank you for listening to
0: another episode of The Cashflow Show. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today and would like to hear more, then please subscribe via your chosen podcast provider and you will be notified when a new episode is released. If you wish to like, comment, leave a message or follow us on social media, please do as we would love to hear from you. So until the next time, take care from everyone at The Cashflow Show. Goodbye.